Well, good morning, everyone. Am I on? Y'all hear me? Good to see each and every one of you. The lights will come up in just a sec. Oh, now I'm seeing you. Okay, seeing you guys in the back. Good to see you this morning. Now, I, uh, Matthew, thanks for the stool. I'm left-handed, but for some reason I like to pick up my water with my right hand, so I'll just scoot that over there. Well, uh, today's a very special day, as Daryl Ash mentioned to you earlier, and it's uh, special for a number of reasons. One, that it's uh, the Lord's Day. We're able to gather together as the Lord's people, composing the Lord's house, and praise God for that. Also, today we are going to witness two baptisms, and that is a glorious privilege. A uh, young woman, uh, actually two young women, one much smaller than the other, uh, are going to be baptized right after service, and I'll get, uh, I'll when I'm closing, I'll talk about some of the, the details again on that, but I just wanted to stop for a minute and, and give God praise for that. Praise God that he is continuing to draw people into his kingdom, that he is continuing to save and forgive and adopt into his family. His kingdom will indeed continue on. And thank you, worship team. That was uh, just beautiful and uh, accomplished exactly what we wanted to. It led us to worship our great God and King. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Slade Reinhardt. I'm the director of Grow and Connect Ministries here at Fellowship Bible Church, and it's my privilege once again today to bring God's Word to you. Before I get into that, though, I uh, do want to reiterate, for those of you who weren't la here last week, next week, as Daryl explained to you, Sam Shaw, who is the candidate for interim lead pastor here at Fellowship Bible Church, will be here on Sunday, and he will preach, and as Daryl mentioned, at the 9 o'clock hour, he'll give an extended explanation of uh, the process he'll be leading the church through. However, uh, I will not be here, and it is not because I am protesting Sam's coming or have any problem with that. Uh, I've, in my dealings with him, I have, have come to really respect and love him, but uh, my family and I already had planned vacation, so we'll be in Corpus Christi by the time that happens, Lord willing, we'll be in Corpus Christi. So uh, just in case you notice that I'm not here, I don't want you to think that there was some undercurrent of dissatisfaction that was happening there. In fact, one of the reasons uh, I think all of us on the, uh, I say us, see, now I'm, I'm going to promote myself, so I'm no longer going to be junior elder non-voting, I'll just be observing elder non-voting. Uh, all of us on the trustee board, the, the deacons and the elders and myself, are really looking forward to... Uh, Sam coming in and just helping us as a church walk through this transition phase. Uh, we, we recognized some mon months back that we do need an outside voice. We need somebody who, first of all, has expertise handling this kind of thing, and then also somebody that is outside of Fellowship Bible Church that can come in and, and help us to see where are our blind spots, where are our weaknesses, what areas are unhealthy that we think are healthy that we need to fix, and that kind of thing. So uh, we are really excited about what he's going to bring. Okay, so let's get back to the Lord's Prayer. Today is going to be the fourth sermon in our series on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, next week, and uh, so I'll give you a little bit of a preview about what's coming. So this, this series initially was going to be six Sundays long. It's actually going to end up being seven because when Sam comes next week, he is going to be preaching from the traditional ending of the Lord's Prayer 
uh, for instance, the King James Version, the New King, King James Version, and some of the older ones will end saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Or as the King James would say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. So he's going to be preaching from that. He said it fit really well with what he wanted to communicate to the congregation. So we're going to kind of skip to the end. And then the first two Sundays in August, our student ministries director, Jordan Johnson, will preach on uh, forgive us our debts and uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so back to today. As you probably know, there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. There is one in Matthew chapter 6, which is the version we're going through, and then there's another one in Luke chapter 11. They vary just a little bit between the two. Of course, it makes sense because they were probably given on two different occasions. But before we begin, I want to do what we did last week, so I'm going to ask you all to stand, and we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So it'll be on the screen if you, uh, if you need to follow that. I actually, whenever I get to about the third sentence from the bottom, because growing up, all we used was the King James Version, and so I, that was how I memorized it, so I sometimes trip over words and other versions. Uh, so if, I, if you see me looking at my Bible, it's not because I don't know the Lord's Prayer, but I don't always say exactly the right word in this version. So let's, uh, let's pray it to the Lord together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Oh, sorry, yes, some of y'all are doing the longer ending. You may be seated. As I mentioned at the outset of this series, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer that Jesus gave to his followers as a way to teach them how to frame their prayers, how to shape their prayers. What should they be praying about? What should they be thinking about? And it came in Matthew's version. It came right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And in that section on prayer, you'll recall that Jesus began by saying, here's how you don't pray. Don't pray like pagans, Gentiles. That's, that's all of us in here. Don't pray like Gentiles do, and don't pray like hypocrites, such as the Pharisees would do. Uh, don't pray to be seen by others, and don't pray using a lot of empty words. And then after saying, don't pray like that, then he says, pray like this. So that's, that's why we use that as a model. He's giving us an example to follow. And uh, I think one of the things that, that always strikes me about the Lord's Prayer whenever I go back to it is its, its beautiful simplicity. You know, the Lord just said, don't heap up a lot of empty phrases. And he doesn't give a lot of flowery language. It's just very straightforward, very simple words. In fact, uh, I was talking to somebody last week about the, the, uh, the struggle I have had constructing sermons around one phrase at a time because my bent is explanation. I want to have a text that I have to explain. Here's why this phrase fits with that phrase, and this is you know, kind of the big idea that it's teaching. And uh, these phrases, it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? It's just, it's just right out there. So uh, we'll probably go about five minutes, and I'll dismiss. No, I'm kidding. So today, what I'm going to be focusing on is the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. 
Now, this phrase actually marks a very significant turn in the prayer. You'll recall that after Jesus begins, our Father in heaven, then he gives three petitions that are focused entirely on God's glory. May your name be hallowed. May your name be honored and revered. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom be established and extended. May your will be accomplished. May your will be obeyed and brought to pass. And then he turns with three petitions about us. So first he prays for God's glory in this example prayer, and then starting with this, give us this day our daily bread, the focus is on our needs. And before I get to the main two points of this message, I do want to take a close look at this petition. Just, just a few words to look at. First of all, I want you to notice that it begins with the word give. Now, uh, in Greek, it actually doesn't begin with the word give, but, but don't, let's just... Step past that for just a minute, okay? The point is, give is in there, all right? So he's asking the, the Father to give us something. And what that indicates is that we need something. It's an indication that God can provide something that we need. There is something we are inadequate to provide for ourselves. It's an appeal to the Father to give us something that we cannot give to ourselves. We're asking the Father, excuse me, we're recognizing that we can't provide or produce that which we need all, our, all on our own. Father, we're calling on you because we are insufficient, and we recognize that you are all-sufficient. Give. The next thing that I want you to notice is that the pronoun, once again, is plural. Give us this day our daily bread. As Jesus did at the very beginning of the prayer with our Father in heaven, there is this focus on the communal nature of the Christian faith. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the people of God. We are not meant to walk this life of faith alone. We are meant to walk it beside brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're not meant to only focus on our needs. We're also supposed to consider and think about and pray for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So he doesn't just say, give me my daily bread. He says, give us our daily bread, keeping in mind that there are others that you should be thinking about. Give us this day our daily bread. Martin Luther actually saw this petition as reaching beyond ourselves, reaching even beyond the body of Christ to society in general. This is an interesting observation. He said, in order for everyone to get daily bread, there needs to be a thriving economy, good employment, and a just society. So when we are praying, give us this day our daily bread, we should also have in mind the society in which we're living for God to bring a peaceful and prosperous economy about so that people can have daily bread. And Jesus teaches us to ask for bread this day or today and refers to the bread as daily bread. Now, why would he do that? Why, why wouldn't he say, you know, give me my bread for the week? Or, or Lord, you know, it's harvest season, give me enough that I have bread for the entire season until the next harvest. In his book on prayer, Pastor John Onwachekwa paraphrases this part of the Lord's Prayer like this. Lord, give me just what I need today, and I'll come back tomorrow. Keep me constantly dependent on you so that every day, the way I relate to your provision, says that you're the sufficient supplier of my needs. It's a request for the Father to provide the bread needed for each day. And you may be wondering why Jesus specifically said bread. I wanted to make a joke about a diet, but I'm not going to do that. 
biting my lip. Why did Jesus specifically say bread? Well, in, in that day and in, in that society, bread had a very prominent place. And that's why bread actually is very prominent in the Bible as well. Eerdman's Bible Dictionary says, In ancient Israel, as throughout most of the ancient Near East, bread was a major factor in the human diet from the earliest times. It was the principal food among the settled population who were able to tend their own crops. Thus, the term came to refer to food in general. Bread was the foundational staple food in those lands, so it was vital to living. Uh, last Friday night, there was a VBS celebration and uh, supper, and that was just absolutely glorious for those of you who were able to be there. Well, at the end of that celebration, I was talking to Dwayne Frederick about this particular phrase, because I was telling him what I was going to be preaching on, and uh, he coined a phrase and allowed me to use it, uh, with, but I'm using it with credit. So in those days, without bread, you're dead. Huh? Is that pretty good? So I, I'll give Dwayne credit. If you don't like it, then give him the blame too. <laughs> so bread was just extremely important to living. So Jesus is basically saying, I want you to, I'm encouraging you to pray to the Father to provide what you need in order to live, what you need in order to survive. And as Eerdmans mentioned, bread was actually used to refer to food in general, as it does in this case. So God isn't saying just ask for bread. He's saying ask for the food that you need, whether that's a vegetable stir fry or a strawberry banana smoothie or a loaf of fresh homemade bread. <laughs> that does sound wonderful too. I'm sorry I'm going to make all of us hungry here. <laughs> Somebody is hungry, aren't they? Oh, by the way, uh, I, th this is an analogy I could think of uh, that I think is very applicable. So when you hear bread in this context, think of it the way that Southerners use the term Coke. It's actually a broad term that just means all soft drinks. You know, people that come here from the West or the South, you know, they hear someone say, what kind of Coke do you want? And they're like, what? what do you mean, what kind of Coke? Coke is a kind, you know, but when we say Coke, we just mean soft drinks in general. So when Jesus is saying, ask for bread, he's saying, ask for food in general. This is a prayer that God would provide the food that we need every day. And the point is that Jesus is telling us to pray for what we need to survive physically. And that leads me to a couple of conclusions, one of which is this, that the God of the universe cares about our physical needs. The God of the universe cares about our physical needs. After teaching us to pray for God's glory, praying for his name to be hallowed, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, the, Jesus then very surprisingly says, now pray for your daily food. Father, give us the food we need each day. Now, I know what some of you want to do. Some of you want to do the exact same thing I want to do, and that is to completely spiritualize this request. Maybe Jesus is saying bread metaphorically, the bread of life. Because after all, Jesus does say that he is the bread of life. So maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. And actually, that's been a very common response down through church history. Uh, scholar Leon Morris said that this part of the prayer was so incredible to many in the early church that they spiritualized the expression and understood it to refer either to Holy Communion or to the invisible bread of the Word of God. Surely, surely Jesus wouldn't turn from asking about God's glory to just asking for food. Jesus wouldn't do such a thing as that. Well, even if you don't naturally lean that way, of course, you can understand why many believers would. 
For one thing, our physical needs are, of course, far less important than our spiritual needs. These bodies that we have are one day going to waste away. They are one day going to be destroyed and be replaced by eternal, physical, glorified bodies. And if Jesus did want to teach us to ask for food, you would think that he would have done that after asking for forgiveness and after asking to be delivered from sin's temptation. But this request for bread comes right after asking for God's glory. It's the very first request for ourselves. And as I mentioned, another reason that people try to spiritualize this is because bread is sometimes used as a symbol of a spiritual reality, such as when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But in this case, I am absolutely certain that Jesus is literally talking about physical food. And that means that he cares for our physical needs. So let's dwell on that for just a minute. In modern times, uh, parts of the church, and I would say the, the stream of church history in which you and I swim, by and large, our part of the church has often neglected the importance of the physical body in our emphasis on the salvation of our souls, the forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins, our reconciliation to God, our uh, relationship to Him in our spirit. We have sometimes given the impression that the physical body is, is just really not so important. God really doesn't care so much about that. And I know that if you asked anyone that directly, they wouldn't say that, but I think that is often what we catch in the teaching and in the atmosphere in which we live. There's an implicit belief that God doesn't care too much about our physical needs because his main interest is our souls. But that is not a biblical way of looking at humanity Because a human is actually a body-soul unity. A human is a being with two components. A physical component and a non-physical component. The body and the soul or the spirit. A human being is not just a spirit that is being housed or trapped in a physical body. A human being is a body-spirit unity. As author Michael Horton says, the real self is the whole self. body and soul. And while the body and soul can be separated, such as when we die, they were not meant to be separated, and our salvation is not complete until we are bodily raised as whole persons. Romans 8 says that we who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, and then he adds the redemption of of our bodies, not just the redemption of the immaterial part of us, but the redemption of the material part of us as well. Since God cares about his children, he cares about their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs because we are all each one person. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Father knows that you need food. The Father knows, excuse me, so the Father cares about you getting food. That is an expression of God, God's goodness. I was, I was overjoyed this morning to hear the worship team leading us in singing about the goodness of God, because God's care for our bodies God's care that we have food for our bodies is an expression of his goodness. It's an expression of his benevolence. 
In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul was preaching to the pagans of Lystra and telling them about the one true God. And he said that God did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Because God is good, he cares about those he created. And Paul was talking to people who were still enemies of God, so how much more does God care about the needs of those who have been reconciled to him and adopted into his family? And if God cares about your food, then you can be assured that he cares about every other aspect of your life as well. That's why 1 Peter 7, excuse me, 5, 7 says that you should cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. There's no aspect of your life that God is uninterested in. You may be in a tight place right now. You may be struggling to pay your bills. You may be wondering how you're going to feed yourself or your family. And that stress can push you to doubt if God really cares. Maybe God's just happy that I've trusted in him. He's forgiven me, so my future is set. So now he's kind of just letting me rock along on my own until that day that I'm united with him. And I want to reassure you this morning of what you already know, that the Lord does care. The Lord does care deeply about every aspect of your life. He cares about your physical needs, not just your spiritual needs. And so I encourage you to continue asking him for daily bread. Continue asking him to provide what you need. And remember that he has provided brothers and sisters in Christ to help you as well. So if you are, I'll just make a public service announcement. If you are struggling financially, if you are struggling, worried about how you're going to feed yourself and your family, please reach out to us, the body of Christ, because we'd want love to come around you and help you. The God of the universe cares about your physical needs. That's one thing this prayer teaches us. One other conclusion that I drew from this is that we are completely dependent on God. I used to think that this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, made much more sense then because in my mind, the people that were listening to Jesus you know, on the Sermon on the Mount, so you had a mixed crowd. You had people who were followers of him and then you had people who just came there to hear him. But in my mind, most of those people, they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. So they didn't know if they were going to eat the next day or not. So it made total sense for Jesus to say, for Jesus to say pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that understanding was actually completely false most of those people if not all of those people in that crowd knew that they were going to eat tomorrow there was no doubt in their mind where their next meal was coming from so Jesus was teaching them something else by saying give us this day our daily bread he was teaching them to be daily reminded that they are absolutely and ultimately dependent on God for everything even such a basic need as their food he was using that prayer to teach them their complete dependence on God, and that is just as applicable to 21st century Christians as it was to 1st century Jews. He teaches us to ask the Father to provide our daily food to remind us that we depend on Him for even this most basic need. One of the most deeply rooted sins in our fallen human nature is the idea, the wish, the hope, and the belief that we can live independently of God. I'm my own man. I can do what I want. I can do what I choose. I, I can provide all my needs. There's an old poem called Invictus that ends with these lines. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That is a clear picture of fallen humanity, a rejection of the kingship of Yahweh and a bold declaration of man's supremacy. 
But we know that that isn't true. And I think one of the reasons Jesus gave this phrase in the prayer is to remind us daily that that is not true. The living God is the master of our fate, and we depend on him for everything. He's in charge of the universe, and everyone and everything in it exists because of him. Now, if you've trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you've already recognized your need for him. The Spirit has revealed to you your weakness and inability and sin and his greatness and love and power. So a follower of Christ certainly would not consciously deny that Yahweh is king and we depend on him, but we're constantly tempted to trust in our own wisdom and strength and ability. We're constantly tempted to put our confidence in what we can see, especially when it comes to meeting a visible need, something as simple as food. I can drive to the grocery store and buy food for me and my family. Uh, as a measure of full honesty, I will say that 99.9% .9 of the time, it's my wife that drives to the grocery store <laughs> to buy food for me and my family. However, that doesn't mean that I am independent of God, even in the provision of my physical needs. Because if we think about it, how do we get food from the grocery store? Well, somebody had to put that food on the shelves. Somebody had to deliver that food to the store. Somebody had to package that food and load it onto the truck. And if it was meat, someone had to raise that food. If it was plant, someone had to grow that food. All of that is out of our hands, and all of it is dependent on the goodness and mercy of our great God and Savior. Without God's hand, food does not grow. Without God's hand, rain does not come. Without God's hand, people do not have the strength and ability to till the land, to raise the animals, to package the food, to ship the food, to stock the food, and so on and so forth. It's easy to think that I'm dependent on God for righteousness and eternal life and a million other things, but I can handle providing for my physical needs on my own. This prayer is a strong affirmation of the truth that God is ultimately your provider even when it comes to basic needs that we can take care of ourselves. <clears throat> even thinking about the money to buy the food. You had to have a job probably to get that money and God gave you the ability to get that job. And back to Martin Luther's point about the need for a thriving economy, without order in our society, all of that couldn't happen. So everything ultimately still points back to God providing even our daily food. In my house right now is enough food for several weeks. We wouldn't have to do anything and we could eat and survive. But God is still providing that daily food for us. God is the one who put it there for us ultimately. And God is the one who enables it to keep coming. So Jesus is saying you are completely dependent on the Father. And I want you to pray this to remind yourself that you are completely dependent on the Father. That's why it's always good and appropriate, by the way, to give thanks when you eat. You may have bought it from Subway with money that you earned from working at Komatsu, but God provided all of that for you. I almost said Laterno Inc. because I've been around a while. Praise God for his abundant blessings to us. If you have food in your house, praise God that he has provided that food. Praise God for his infinite mercy and blessings in your life. And just like we're dependent on God for a simple thing like our daily food, we're dependent on God for everything else. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul was speaking to another group of pagans in the city of Athens. 
And he said that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The one true God, Yahweh Elohim, the God revealed perfectly in Jesus Christ, gives to all mankind life and everything. You depend on God for your very breath. You depend on God for your next heartbeat. You depend on God for everything. So if you think that there is any area of your life where you're independent of God, then the Bible says, and I will agree because the Bible said it, that you are a fool. We are dependent on God for everything. Pray each day for God to provide food to remind you of this magnificent awe-inspiring truth. And use this very petition, give us this day our daily bread, use it as a springboard for praise. Praise you, God, that I do have food. Praise you, God, that I don't have to worry where my next meal is coming from. Several weeks back, I was thinking about something independent of this, and I was reminded that I, I, am, I am now 50 years old. I'm actually proud of that fact. I feel proud that I've made it through a half century. I'm, I shouldn't be proud. See, God should humble me. Uh, I have never, in my entire life, I have never had to miss a meal because there was no food, ever. What an amazing blessing that is. That is astounding. I mean, there are wealthy people in years past that couldn't have said such a thing. My entire life I've been provided with, with food, and I can praise God for that. I can thank God for that. I can use it as a springboard to worship him for his goodness and his mercy on me who did nothing to deserve that and nothing to earn that. Praise you, Lord God, for feeding me. Praise you, Lord God, for blessing our society with the stability and prosperity to have abundant food. Give us this day our daily bread. It gives us a pattern for praying and serves as our teacher, instructing us that the Lord cares about our physical needs and that we're dependent on God for everything. Now, when you're reading Scripture, one of the things that is good to look for is sin. And here's what I mean by that. Make it sound kind of weird. What I'm saying is, ask the Lord, okay, are you exposing a sin in my life? Or are you showing me a sin that I should avoid? And as I was meditating on this, especially on the aspect of the reminder that I am completely dependent on God, the Lord did reveal to me a temptation that I fall to regularly of thinking that I am independent of him. I won't go into all the details of how that manifests itself, but the Lord convicted me, God, that I am often guilty of thinking that I'm not dependent on him. I'm often guilty of thinking I can do this myself, putting confidence in the flesh instead of confidence in the strength of God. And so I encourage you as well to search your own heart and ask the Lord to show you if you have been thinking that there's some area of your life where you are in charge. It's all up to you. It's all on you. You can do this. You can handle it. Give us this day our daily bread. We're completely dependent on God, and he cares about our physical needs. So the message I want to leave you with this morning is this. Through Christ, God is our provider, and he wants to meet our needs, even our physical needs. Now, as I said last week, the Lord's Prayer is intended to be prayed by a child of God. In fact, only a child of God can pray the Lord's Prayer sincerely. It's intended for those who have been adopted by the Father. And the right to adoption 
is given to everyone who will trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1, to as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means trusting in who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world, sent by God to save us. Trusting in what he has done, that he has lived an absolutely perfect life, and that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and then rose victorious from the grave, giving life and forgiveness to everyone who will trust in him. If that describes you, then you can pray to our Father in heaven. You can pray with full assurance that you're accepted and that you're heard. You are now in Christ, united to him through faith. And in Christ, God is our provider. Because he loves us, he wants to meet our needs, even our physical needs. And let me add this, because he cares for your physical needs, that means that he also cares for every other need. Your mental needs, your emotional needs. Are you hurting? Are you lonely? Are you scared? Are you confused? Are you worried? God cares about each and every aspect of your life. And he wants to minister his comfort and grace to you. Sometimes through the direct ministry of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes through the ministry of the body of Christ. But I want to assure you this morning, if you are a child of God, God is your provider. And he wants you to come to him for every need that you might have. And if you don't know him, I encourage you when service is over and we have people up here at the front to come and talk to someone about how you can experience new life in Christ, how you can be united to your creator. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Just as God cares about the animals he's created, know for certain that he cares much more about his children. And you can pray to the Father to give you your daily bread, to meet the needs that come up in your life. English Puritan Thomas Manton observed that one of the ways that God acts as a true father to us is by supplying all that we need. He says a father will not let his child starve Certainly none so fatherly as God. He takes an exact notice of all your wants, meaning needs, of all your wants and pressures. In Isaiah 49, God says to his people, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. That is the depth of the love of God for you. He wants us to know that he will never forget us and that he is always thinking about us. A couple of ways I'll suggest that you can respond to this beautiful truth that God is your provider in Christ and he wants to meet your needs, even your physical needs. For one thing, you can straight up just thank him today. Thank him for meeting your physical needs. Thank him for providing food for you and for your family. I would also suggest memorizing Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then I'd suggest that you tell someone about something that you took from today's message. You may not have learned anything new, but hopefully you were at least reminded of some beautiful truth about the Lord your God. If you're talking to someone who's not a believer, it can be a very natural entrance into a spiritual conversation, telling them about something you heard or took from the sermon on Sunday. And if you're talking to someone who is a believer, it can be a great encouragement to them to be reminded of the truths that they hold to Before I dismiss, we are once again going to take three or four minutes and pray as a group. 
And what, we'll, what I'm suggesting that you do is just pray with those around you. Uh, you could pray just with, with your family if that's what you're most comfortable with, but you're also welcome to pray with anyone else that's around you. And if you are comfortable with this, pray out loud. We will have some music playing, so it won't feel so intensely awkward. Uh, but I think it can be a very, a very bonding time for the body of Christ just to pray together. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Like I said, we're only going to go about three or four minutes. So just some simple prayer to the Lord. Uh, suggest, for instance, that you pray about physical needs. Pray for either you or someone else, provision. You or someone else, pray for physical healing. Pray for protection. Anything related to a physical need. So uh, uh, if y'all would go ahead and put on the music, I'll just give you guys some space to do that. <laughs> 